Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Movie Mastery. Why, it is the very podcast where we watch the movies that you tell us to. I, your host upon this journey, am John, and with me, my faithful cohort, Jeff, as we go deeper into the jungle. (laughs) Yes! Oh my! By God, I see an elephant! Oh my! I see three elephants! (laughs) Don't try to one-up me again, Jonathan! (laughs) I'll box your ear! Hey, it's Movie Mastery. What's up? I want to talk about that elephant stuff instead of the movie. I know. <laughs> I need to <laughs> I need to say right at the start here, this is the first movie in a while <laughs> that I have been just distraught <laughs> during. Where I was just holding my head trying to contain the pain mm-hmm. that I felt at watching this. I feel like this is also the first movie that for the show that you and I have seen together in more than two years. Oh, for sure. I mean, basically, since the pandemic started, we were just like, oh, well, we weren't recording together and we weren't going to movies yeah. in theaters. So, you know, we weren't really watching anything together. And then that just sort of became the way we would do things. Well, it's, it's easier because ultimately, now that Sage is here and... and oh, yeah. yeah. It, it, it's uh, it's just simpler for me to watch it at a weird time, and you can watch it five minutes before the show starts, and it doesn't matter in the slightest. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, but for this rare occasion, because we had to reschedule some some things this week for me to be, be out on a camping trip starting in a day, uh, we watched this one together. Yeah. And, oh boy, I'm glad I did because I don't know if I would have kept it on. Yeah. Without no, that this support, is, this is definitely one of those ones where I was like, oh. God, I gotta get through this. I'm gonna need another lemming before I go off that cliff. I ain't doing it alone. Probably gonna need a couple of Disney camera workers to push me too. Oh God, it was it was abysmally bad. And, and it was my suggestion. And this one came off from the list of movies and was noted as specifically being from Jeff. <laughs> and I knew what we were getting into. I've never seen it, but I knew. Oh God. <laughs> For those who do not know, we watched Dirty Love. Dirty Love is a 2005 movie written by and starring one Jenny McCarthy. Mm, Yes, do not confuse this with Dirty Work, an early 2000s movie starring Norm MacDonald. No, one of those is watchable. (laughs) Yeah, no, Dirty Love is, it is a thing. It's rough. It's rough top to bottom. Yeah, like even even the premise, like even if you tried to give someone the elevator pitch to this one, I feel like ninety nine percent of people are gonna go, "Oh no, thank you." Like, oh, it, okay. So the like if the elevator pitch is, you know, it's Jenny McCarthy going through a bad breakup, and then she learns a lot of lessons through a bunch of gross comedic uh, things that happen to her as an examination of the L A dating scene. Co star Carmen Electra playing a black person. <sighs> Carmen Electra in this. <laughs> Is, I mean, she's not really playing a, a, a well, black she's, person. She's, she's Rachel Zolazoling. Yeah, she is. Uh, she's not in literal blackface. Like she has not blackened up her face literally. No, she's but just she done, is straight up doing the performance. Do rag and cornrows is doing a lot of the heavy lifting for her. Yeah, and then of course just trying to basically be as ghetto as possible. She's and, really seized on the phrase, no, I'm saying. And it is, oh, Lord God it's, it's almighty. Because she has, 
of all the characters in the movie, she is the number one character that doesn't have anything going An on. Arc she at has all? no arc. She just exists. She's just a friend of the main characters who's just around. And it's funny because she's a stable presence because she's never going to do anything stupid in the pursuit of a goal. Because there are no goals. Because she has no goals. But she's so awful. Oh, yeah. And every time she comes in, you're like, well, okay, there's that rap music backbeat they have her accompanied by everywhere. Uh, that's unpleasant. Mm-hmm. And at least she's not going to do anything stupid to try and get a man. But everything else. It's. There's no one <laughs> to root for in this movie. No. No, not even slightly. Like uh, all the all the extra boy, the, the uh, potential love interests are douches, including the final love interest, also a douche, just a different kind of douche. Yeah, there's just this wide variety of awful people, but then it wants you to, in like a couple different instances, be like, ah, yes, this was a character arc, and you're like. No, none of this was earned, and you didn't learn anything, and you didn't change. And there's no denouement or anything for most of them. There's just, I mean, the only person who gets a full, complete arc is Jenny McCarthy's character, Rebecca. And that's only because she is on screen for an hour and a half. And her arc doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. No. Oh, my God. It's it's definitely, like, not a place of honor. No, this is... 100%. For those among you that are like us, and you hear written by and starring Jenny McCarthy, and you're like, ooh, I gotta get in on that. I just gotta know. (laughs) (laughs) No great work was buried here. Nothing of esteem was commemorated. The things that we put here, we put here because they are abhorrent to us. (laughs) They were dangerous in our time, and they are still dangerous in yours. Yeah, yeah. I guess my time was around 2005. That was when I was in my mid-20s, at my most vital. At my most dangerous. Yeah. Uh, Jeez, what a fucking crap movie. We should get to the other side. God, okay. We are going to play a little bit of music and gather up our thoughts, and we will be back with the full, in-depth spoiler review of Dirty Love. Okay, that's it. We're back. <laughs> that small reprieve that you got is its all you get now, and now it's time for us to tell you <laughs> the absolute monster shitstorm that is Dirty Love. You should not have given us coins to take you down this river. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Should have stayed or just lost your memory in the fledgathon or whatever it is you do. <laughs> Go dip your face into... Lethe or whatever. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, this movie opens with Jenny McCarthy giving a long monologue about how great love is. And she's walking around with a guy who I know the movie will eventually paint as a total douchebag. But I feel like in the opening montage scene where she's supposed to be like crazy in love with this guy, he still looks like a total douchebag. Oh, yeah. So you just have this problem where you're like, well, I know she's going to break up with him because otherwise the movie wouldn't make Because that's sense. what this movie is. But... He looks like the bad guy in a ska video. Uh, let me tell you, he looked so much like uh, what's his nuts from Agents of Shield, <laughs> the secret uh, yeah, yeah, Hydra and, guy and Ward. Ward. Yeah. I don't know what the actual actor is, but he looks 
so much like him. Uh, yeah, but with like a, a, a mid-2000s greaser haircut. Yeah. He's got that, that uh, doo-wop hair revival thing going on where he's got a little, he's got the front cowlick. Yeah. Uh, and the black, but shoe-polished black hair, mm-hmm. hair color. Just, you know, that. You see, the moment you see him, you're like, oh, oh, I don't want to deal with that. That guy's got way too many bowling shirts. I can tell in advance. I don't want to look at his record collection. I don't want to know him. And let me tell you something. He does. <laughs> it turns out, we don't find out directly, but it turns out throughout the course of the movie that he is Los Angeles's top male model. Top model. Mm-hmm. The most the most powerful and important male model in all of Los Angeles. Man, there is so much information in this movie that the movie does not want to give you up front that yeah. it will then just sort of haphazardly drop in the middle and you go... I, what the <laughs> fuck are you talking about? <laughs> so anyway, she has this whole story about how like she hate, she thinks it sucks that other people can't find love, but not her because she found it. And once you find it, you keep it. Yeah. You know when you find the one because the one is going to be the one that makes you feel like you got butterflies in your stomach and ooh, baby, this guy's great. Anyway. Yeah. You want the one. You'll know he's the one because he'll, he'll look like the kind of guy that squeezes his girlfriend's vaginas at bowling alleys. <laughs> you know i'm right one look at that guy you're like oh that dude's a bu- that guy's a bowling alley box squeezer <laughs> wow <laughs> probably mini golf too good lord i suspect right in front of children good god man <laughs> you're <laughs> you're making me hate him even more <laughs> but we of course find out that uh, he is cheating on her mm-hmm. and just happily as well. Oh yeah. Just, just does not care. Doesn't care. Doesn't. She just... walks into the apartment and is like, Hey, I'm home. I'm early from a shoot. I got $200 from taking a portrait of a pink dog. poodle. It was a pink poodle. And they actually cut to a static image shot of the pink poodle and the only cutaway sight gag in the movie, which makes it a very unusual choice to do one at all. Yeah. And She's like, oh, I'm going to have this leftover Chinese. Like, she is just yelling for minutes. Yeah. And then finally walks into the bedroom where her boyfriend is... En flagrante delicto. Banging away. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he's just like, oh, hey. Hey. Uh, Whatever. And then he just keeps going. Yeah, she, like, runs out. And then he's like, all right, well, back to it. Yep. So that's that's what's going on with him. And then we follow her back. Now, this also does set up what she is professionally. She's like a professional photographer. But it seems like she's a very low-rent professional photographer because her entire life is in a duffel bag. Well, um, let, me, let me just a say... A small one. <laughs> as someone who... You're supposed to be like, oh, she's a photographer and the like. one of the main plot points is that he ends up, like, fucking up her stuff. Yes. Oh, yeah. It's a weird thing where it's just an, a side mode. They, they, like, she sends some of her friends into his house to retrieve the stuff that she accidentally left there, and he is just in a callous, off-screen fit of rage that we don't know a thing about, smashed it to bits. And it, I mean, I don't feel like it was smashed to bits. It looks like he just sort of threw a bunch of sensitive equipment on the ground. He just pushed it out of the way, basically. Yeah. That, that makes more sense than the idea that this dude... Who otherwise gave enough of a shit exactly. to do that? His whole character arc is he doesn't give a shit. That's his entire character like life. So the notion that he was like, "Hey, she left me. I'm going to smash her camera," didn't make any sense. No, and of course, when the camera gets held up, like, "Oh, this is ruined," I'm like, 
I can barely tell there's any damage to that. <laughs> you should still bring that crap with you instead of leaving it there and saying it's br- it's busted. Bring it back so that you can at least recover the parts that aren't broken and so on. Oh, yeah. I mean, if you're a professional photographer, you've got enough, like, at Lenses least, and crap. I was going to say, a few lenses that didn't get broken. Yeah. Some uh, memory cards, if you're using, like, a DSLR yeah, which I'm sure she, I mean, she's a professional photographer. There's no way she isn't using a DSLR. Although, granted, the end of the movie does show us what her replacement equipment looks like, and it's just like, oh, Fuji sponsored this movie to the tune of $200. <laughs> God. <laughs> but when we when we get Jenny McCarthy's uh, character, Rebecca, mm-hmm. when we get her reaction to all of this, uh, as she is on very clearly... Hollywood, because she's got one of those, like, They're on the Walk of Fame. They film film about three-quarters of this movie is filmed on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. So that you know, this is Hollywood. If you've never been to that part of Hollywood, that's not the good part. No. (laughs) That place is horrible. People poop on those stars. (laughs) Yeah, on purpose. (laughs) You just find someone you don't like and you poop on them. But we, basically, we get a scene of her stumbling around, sobbing and shaking random passers-by. But I was going to say, this is the the scene that really lets you know what you are in store for with the idea of what do we think is funny, and it is Jenny McCarthy very annoyingly just going, oh, God. Oh, yeah, she says, oh, my God. I, we counted because we were like rule of threes. Let's see, let's see. Let's see if she says three and then does something. And she did seven. Seven. She said, "Oh my god! Oh my god! Oh my god! Oh my god!" Seven times. Yes, it was seven. And then the eighth one, she got cut off. She said, "Oh my!" And then bumped into someone or something. Yeah, yeah. It was. It's. And that's in a row. To... That's not like over the. This is like a five minute scene that opens with her saying, "Oh my god!" eight times in a row. And then grabbing a random... There's a lot of her being mean to random hookers in this movie. Yeah, a couple a couple of prostitutes walk by and she's like, I should just do what you do. I should give up and be whores like you. And you're like, that's that's mean. What the fuck are you doing? <laughs> also, are you hoping that's, that that's very going... presumptuous. They are just sort of walking down in the middle of the day like... Dressed kind of Yeah, they're in like club wear. But then again, it was 2005. Everyone was in fucking club wear. Yeah. (laughs) They might just be going to a square pusher show. You don't know. You don't know shit, Jenny McCarthy. (laughs) But yeah, this happens a lot in this movie. She she comes across people she assumes are hookers and just launches, like rips into them because in a self-pitying rage. Yeah. And it just keeps happening. I guess they think that that's, they they thought would be very funny. Yeah, the... Because this is written by Jenny McCarthy, and yeah. this is supposed to be like, oh, you know, guys get all the raunchy comedies. Yes. We should have one for the girls. And she fucked up real bad on that. Basically, what the the, uh, the raunch that she offers up is mostly just treat, treating herself as a sex object a lot. Uh, there's also one fairly infamous period sequence yeah. uh, that I feel like would have been the best possible, like, you know, let's make a raunchy comedy for the women, like a period thing. It's a smart way to do it. But the problem is that the only driving force of the comedy in the period scene is that she's afraid her ex-boyfriend might see her in a in a an embarrassing situation. Yeah. So all the even the scene where she's like it's a gross out period comedy is still like defined by her willingness to be seen uh, in good standing by men that have already left her. Oh yeah, and of course the embarrassment of buying tampons. Yes. Yeah. Like that is 
that entire scene. Yeah, basically anytime you think this movie's fainting towards any kind of actual uplifting or feminist message, it just turns around and swats at you with like a rolled up newspaper with a <laughs> How turd dare in it. you? <laughs> this thing, this fucker ends with an impassioned nice guy speech. Two of them, because she does one as well. Uh, the The scene then gives us basically our main characters. Yes. So she has to call her best friend uh and she is just a terrible actress who that's her roommate yeah yeah uh, i forget her the character name the actor was cam something or other she was like the uh yeah uh the character is carrie it's cam heskin okay yeah her de- she's a ditzy actress stereotype that's her whole deal she doesn't she's a terrible actor but she's making it work in hollywood because she's exactly hot enough that male casting directors give her any part and she will straight up sleep with or blow whoever in yes. order to get a part she doesn't care she has she uh has no self-respect she literally goes to auditions with shirts that say i will blow you if i get this part um that's that's her whole and her whole architecture so the two of them i think sometimes share a bed sometimes don't but in this situation she calls her she's like hey let's hang out you want to go for a jog and the and the uh, new character is just like i don't want to go for a jog have you seen how great my boobs are it's because i don't jog yeah and then, like, tries to get her to go get her camera equipment from the house. And, she and she's just to. like, no, I'm not going to. I, I, I won't do that. I'm not going to. I don't want to deal with your problems. I know I am set up in this movie as your best friend constantly, mm-hmm. but I will do nothing for you. And I do not care about your problems. <laughs> I do not. I don't even like you. She is exceptionally self-absorbed. It's. It, I mean, ultimately, she. Pro- she's the other one who gets an arc <laughs> in that there are three scenes of her. Where in one of them, she's like, I'll blow you for a part in a movie. And then she tries the same thing on like a female uh, commercial director who's like, oh, let me guess. You've gotten lots of parts, but all by blowing the directors. And then the last one, she offers to blow a director. And he's like, "Ah, you don't need to blow me. I already cast my movie. And she's like, well, now I'm going to give you an impassioned speech about feminism. And then I'm out. That's the last scene for me. Oh, there's more to that that we will get into. Oh, we'll get into it a lot. I'm just saying she has an arc, sort of. Yes. In the, except that she doesn't appear to learn anything from it or act on it in any way. No. There's no scene after she gets told off by the female commercial director where she has any moment of self-reflection or anything. No. She's just like, hey, fuck you, lady director. <laughs> yeah. And that is it. That's it. So, yeah. So then she calls her other best friend, uh, whatever Carmen Electra's character is named. Uh, Michelle. Michelle. Now, Michelle is... A professional waxer. She does bikini waxing and so on for a living. And she is always dancing to hip-hop music only she can hear. Her in the audience. Uh, she talks with a patois that I'll, I'll generously say is extra- exceptionally offensive. Yep. It's weird, though, because I'm like... <sighs> Carrie, who is set up to be the best friend. Yes. Like, the one that she goes to for things doesn't give a shit and sucks and michelle is 100 percent on her side is always like fuck it let's do this i'll yeah. do whatever you want i'll go get the equipment i don't care fuck M- this michelle, guy michelle is ride or die for her friends it's a hundred it's like her only character trait because she doesn't <laughs> want anything no she has <laughs> nothing that she needs in this movie yeah except i don't know to not be pretending to be black. <laughs> yeah, she's the Pinocchio of, of uh, wanting to be black. Uh, but 
So she gets the call next, and she's like, fuck yes, I'm on the case. I'm going to go to that house. I'm going to deal with it. I'll no. get John. Oh, yeah. Now she's like, oh, and I don't worry. I won't beat him up or nothing. Yeah. But I can't say anything for John, though, if you he know does what I'm it. Yeah. And at this point, when we cut to them over there, and, like, John is uh, Eddie K. Thomas. Uh, oh, boy. I feel so... This guy's career. He's in the American Pie movies, banging Stifler's mom. Yeah. And then we've seen him twice more. <laughs> Only twice more. Only twice. Freddy got fingered. He's the titular Freddy. Uh-huh. And here he's the final love interest. Now, when we see him, he is trying to, like, pick the lock into uh, Richard the X boyfriend's place. Yeah, he's got a big old mansion because, again, he's uh, he's Los Angeles' top male model. And at this point, I assumed he was Michelle's boyfriend oh, because she was just like, I'm going to I'm going to go get your stuff and I won't beat him up, but I can't say anything about John. And they're both just there together. And I was like, oh, OK. She assumed John would be with him without even saying I'm going to go bring him. So I figured they were together. Yeah. And then that wasn't true. <laughs> and. Well, here's the thing. You can go ahead and assume that John will do anything in a scene if it's something that will help Rebecca uh, and she will be thankless about it later. Yeah. Because that is his role in this movie. He is Mr. Kindness Coins, and it is disgusting. He is the nice guy. Yes. Like, if the rest of this movie wasn't completely unwatchable and abhorrent, you, he should be used as the video object example of what a nice guy is. And yet, he is supposed to be held up as the example of well, this is the actual, like, for real way that a guy should be. Well, no, because this is like 2005. I think that the official nice guy shit started in the 2010s, where people were like, okay, here, this is the trend to rec recognize. This is the kind of guy. Like, granted, those people have been around since the dawn of dicks, um, but we started recognizing and mocking them in the 2010s, which means this guy was in, like, the last era where you could still be this character in a movie. <laughs> <laughs> Like, I remember well, during the film, I was yelling every time he was on screen. I was like, hey, there's a reason they didn't get together at the end of 16 Candles. Get out of here, Ducky. <laughs> I know everyone's all mad that Ducky doesn't get the girl in the end, but there's a reason. <laughs> so they, yeah, they find the broken camera equipment and he pisses on the dude's couch while like Carmen Electra... Minutes like apparently takes a shit on his bed yeah that we don't see thankfully yeah that's nice i mean this isn't the kind of movie that you would normally shy away from that sort of thing oh yeah so, yeah but we do get to watch him pee on a he, he's peeing as the guy the uh the the dude who the ex-boyfriend pulls up in his car gets out of his car flexes for his rearview mirror a couple of times check, checks his overly tight shirt over his baggy raver pants uh <laughs> he's wearing a camo camisole effectively nah. like a tight cami st spaghetti strap man top uh in camo <laughs> god bless this guy and he gets in there and like saunters vaguely yeah he just takes his time he comes in the, through the front door manages to get into the living room where this guy is and still peeing this john, is like john turns to look and is just still pissing unremorsefully just like hey dude Hey, dude. Like, this guy's been peeing for, like, a strange brew-ending amount of time. <laughs> it's dumb. Um, it's very strange. But then he eventually wraps up with the peeing, and he's like, why did you smash her camera stuff? That's fucked up. And 
the uh, the nonchalant ex-boyfriend's just like, whatever, she sucked at it anyway. Which, given the one picture we see that she takes in this movie of a, of a pink poodle, she does. Well, also, given that this movie essentially forgets that she is a photographer for the entirety of the movie until the end from this point forward. No, basically, this movie remembers whether or not she's poor based on whether or not the scene requires it. Oh, yeah. Same with everyone around her. Yeah. You know, when we have the whole period scene and she's like, oh, I can't believe you don't have tampons. Can you get me some? And they're like, no, we don't have any money. Of course, in the next scene, we will be going to a club and buying a bunch of shots and mm-hmm. doing whatever. Yeah. Like, uh, and when then when she's in the, the get, buying her own period, she has $2 to her name. Yeah. Two whole dollars. And you're like, okay, that's, that's unfortunate. I'm sorry to hear you're so instantly broke. Like the very instant that your camera equipment's busted, you're like, well, I, <laughs> I'm done. I have no money now. And I don't even have a credit card. I don't even have that $200 that I said I got paid at the start of the movie. <laughs> I just have nothing. I guess I left it in the bag and it got broken when it got thrown, pushed off the bed or whatever. <laughs> uh, but yeah, in the next scene after the period scene, she goes clubbing and buys a bunch of drinks. So you're like, what, what is happening? What is even going on yeah. right now? So it, it's just inconsistent. Um, but yeah, it, it basically... Uh, I mean, also, I want to say this. It takes a while to get there. Note that we are jumping around a lot in this to various whatever things. Yeah. But I want you to know that this movie basically plays out like fucking vignettes anyway. Yes. Where it's just like... Ah, and now a short scene that plays out like I'm watching a stage play. Yeah. And it's just unconnected to anything that came before or after it. No, it's 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 similar. I mean, it's funny to me that I'm comparing it to this, but it, the scene st- uh, composition reminds me a lot of Ralph Bakshi's Wizards, <laughs> where you'll be like, I'm watching the main plot. This is fine. I'm watching the main plot. Oh, we've cut away to an empty uh, scene in a church. I wonder why. Oh, characters are entering from stage left and right. Oh, they have a joke for each other. And now we've gone back to the main plot. <laughs> There's a point where the movie does a two-week later, later cut that is so off-putting that you cannot tell like what happened or, <laughs> or why you needed to have it be two weeks later, given that the amount of shit that they did in the previous from that cut is like the same amount of shit they did after it. Yeah. Who cares? Yeah, it's it's so weird. But one of the things I was going to say is the character of John is so ill-defined in this. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> there's a point towards, I would say, the middle of this movie where Rebecca finally is like, and you work for me. And I'm like, what, what the <laughs> fuck? Yeah, there's a point where she's in a bath on the phone with her mom. And her mom's like, oh, you've broken up with another boyfriend. You need to date a nice Catholic guy. What you know, about do- that guy, John, who works for you? And, and I'm like, what? And, and, and an amazing thing, uh, you've probably pictured the dude who bangs Stifler's mom in American Pie at this point. So you know who Eddie K. Thomas is. Uh-huh. And Jenny McCarthy in a bath goes, oh, I like him, but I don't think I'm his type. Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, no, I, I've seen every other man you try and date in this movie. I don't think he's yours. <laughs> <laughs> you like bland vapid douchebag types with flop hair that's your type that's your whole deal yeah i mean i'm not saying eddie k thomas isn't that in this movie he's very bland and vapid but he's not muscly and no. that's the problem exactly and he's got hair in spots where he should have waxed it by now Ugh. um but yeah it's so weird that that she's like pining for this dude uh 
it's it's just wild. But anyway, he tries to pick a fight with the ex-boyfriend, sort of. He's like, you and me, bro. And the ex-boyfriend's just like, okay, uh, when? when? And he's like, someday. Someday. Because he's, you know, boyfriend's got like a foot and a half on him. Oh, yeah. It's, <laughs> he, it's little thing- Eddie K. Thomas versus a... Very ripped male model. It's funny that the male model, dude, it, it, it's funny that most of the movie only works with him because he is so impassive about absolutely everything that even if you're like, I will fight you, he's like, all right, man. Okay. But he doesn't like beat you up. He just stands there. He's like, cool. Are we fighting then? And he's like, <laughs> no, we're not. And okay. then, and then uh, Michelle walks in from the other room and is like, yeah, that ain't dirt on your bed. Know what I'm saying or whatever. And he, and again, he's like, oh. I think you might have pooped on my bed. Oh, hmm. uh, you should probably get out then. I wish you hadn't done that. <laughs> goodness, goodness me! What a shame. <laughs> I'm uh, I'm the villain of this piece. <laughs> <laughs> you guys want to stay for uh, for some iced tea? <laughs> I could give you a little Robert Palmer if you want. Mm. Yeah, I got lemonade. I got iced tea. What do you What do you say? You know, I got some crackers. Yeah, like now, not an Arnold Palmer, by the way, a Robert Palmer. A Robert Palmer. <laughs> I need you to know. Yeah. No, that's a very different. That's a simply irresistible drink. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's mostly iced tea in 151. <laughs> Might as well face it. You're addicted to tea. Okay. Uh, and then I think that th- we go clubbing next because it's the attempt for the, the three women to try and cheer up. Uh, I mean. Uh, Rebecca. It's confused. This scene, the, the middle of this movie is just confusing random scenes. There's the part where Rebecca well, gets so sad that she spends three days in bed. Well, yeah. Now, there is... Because we have to establish what is going on with uh, Carrie, the friend that doesn't give a shit about anyone. Yes. So we, go, we go to so a movie. She goes to uh, an audition with her. Yes. Does Rebecca. Yeah. And... Oh, and clothes shopping before that. But go ahead and finish this one. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, the clothes shopping one is mostly just... Hey, there's a hot guy. And he's like, hey, you want to have lunch later? And then his wife walks in from two feet away and is like, hi, who's this random skank? And he's like, I don't know. This this desperate lady was hitting on me for some reason. Yeah, so he's just the very first example of what your most of this movie is going to be. Like, you know, in Deuce Bigelow, how it's you, he meets all these like women who uh, need a gigolo, and each one of them has a quick story, and they're a silly, goofy comedy beat, and then you never have to deal with them again. Hmm. That's these characters. It's just the douchebag men that she tries to date. Yeah. And when she goes to the audition with her friend, of course, we find out that there is a model, like, exhibition thing, like some fashion show that she was supposed to go to with her boyfriend. Mm -hmm. And she's like, oh, I got to go there with a new guy and make him jealous. And that's my whole, like reason to be right now i gotta find i need to find a guy just so i can go there and make my ex jealous yeah now while her friend goes in to audition there is a guy in the waiting room who wants to hit on her and his entire shtick is just that he thinks she smells good so he is just creepy aggressively sniffing her yeah at first he's just like god you're so hot you're like really hot you're like way too hot and then he's like Oh, so what's that smell? Yeah, so he's just a, a weird creep, one-off, who does nothing and goes nowhere. And uh, just like a lot of this film. And Carrie goes to audition for two offensive Jewish stereotypes. Yeah, I mean, and when we say offen- offensive, we mean like when they actually end up at a club together, he's like, oh, you're so attractive. Would you be willing to be my boobala? Oh, look at these beautiful shiksas. 
Yeah, that's the way we're dealing with them. They look identical. They're a pair of small 5'4 balding men with the, with the same bald spot and, and uh, sideburns leading into the beard. They look exactly like each other. They uh-huh. have the big horn rim black glasses. Yep. Every single aspect of them is calculated to be as we offensive had, as possible. Yeah, it's like, look, we had one Jewish stereotype, but we needed two of you, so we just used it again. We just did it twice. We couldn't think of another Jewish stereotype. Granted, it would be very, very funny if one of them was that standard nebbish working class Jewish stereotype, and the other one was like a fucking rabbi or something, which is also there. <laughs> just- this is the only other thing about Judaism I know. <laughs> we got the little nebbish dude, and then there's fucking Sandy Koufaxes here. <laughs> Oh, this fucking movie. So, yeah, Carrie's like, oh, hey. and You're uh, two men. Hey, how would you like to go out with me and my friend? Here she is. This is my friend, and we're, we're going to go to a thing together. And it's funny because this mostly shows, this is this is uh, Carrie's one attempt in the film to be helpful. She's like, well, you said you needed a guy. Here's a guy. And, and uh, Rebecca's like, I didn't say I wanted a tiny, ugly Jewish guy. God Which damn. is like, you got to wonder, like, it, it, it's an interesting moment for Carrie that she's, you know, despite the fact that she is in all ways a generic ditzy bimbo stereotype. That's like the whole point of her character. But she sees these two dudes and she's like, yeah, you guys are fine. I don't, I, I can deal with it. Whatever. I'll, I'll roll with this. <laughs> but not Rebecca. She's like, ew, no, juice. Ah, <laughs> uh, <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> But then they all end up at a club together. That's where all the lines we've already said are from, because they, they need to work in a few more times so you know. Yeah, they all go to the fashion show. Mm-hmm. and Oh, look at these so attractive shiksas I'm schwitzing here. That kind of shit. Yeah. Oh, and there's a whole thing where, uh, specifically, she doesn't say, I don't want to date Jews. She says, you got me a Woody Allen. And the friend is like, what? He was super attractive and white men can't jump. Yeah get it do, uh-huh. do you get it she doesn't know her various famous woodies she does not know famous woodies mm-hmm. <laughs> she's like and the other one's like that's woody harrelson you got me a woody allen i don't know who woody allen is okay like, Great. oh good so now we're saying that this character is dumb because she's uncultured as well yes where the other one simply doesn't want to date woody allen a noble decision yeah like <laughs> except these guys aren't woody allen <laughs> and then she's like oh i know I'll just, when my boyfriend comes out on stage, because he's obviously one of the models at the fashion show. Yes. I'll just shove this guy's face in between my breasts. Mm -hmm. That way, he won't see how ugly my date is. He'll just see some guys in between my tits and Uh, get angry. Won't you see a yarmulke-shaped bald spot, too? I mean, it Eh. feels like it's pretty obvious. Also, the dude's going to be shoved into your boobs at a full stand, because he's a foot shorter than you. But when it comes to the fashion show and he comes out, oh, she tries to put this guy's face between her tits, but he gets so nervous, he vomits on her. Yeah, because she keeps trying to get away. He's like, I don't want to go down there. And she's like, no, you have to stay in there. Because obviously she can't explain to him that she's using him as a prop to make the model jealous. Yeah. (laughs) You'd think she'd just lie to him in a different way and be like, hey, you can put your face, you can motorboat my tits right now if you want. You know, just do that. Instead of being like, I'll just grab him and shove him in there and see what that does. Yeah, I'm just going to force this dude's face down here. Yeah, and then he throws up on her. Meanwhile, the whole time, both John and Michelle have been trying to get into the club, uh, talking to the bouncer with a lot of like, oh, you know what I'm saying? I'm you, you, I'm on the list, you know what I'm saying? And then she weaponizes her only talent, waxing, by waxing the bouncer's chest hair while he's trying to talk. And the weird thing about that is, 
it doesn't do anything. No, it has no effect. <laughs> there is so much dumb bullshit that happens in this that then doesn't go anywhere that I assumed would. Yeah. Because, like, oh, she she's putting the, like, wax paper thing onto his hairy chest. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she's like, ooh, you like that? You like when I touch your chest? Mm-hmm. And then rips it. And he's like, ow! And I thought for sure that she was going to, like... Make a break for it and get yeah. inside. While he's pain, she goes in, or maybe she gets chased away by him now, and that was just her like getting a little revenge. Instead, the next time you see her, she's still outside and just talking to the bouncer still. Yeah, the bouncer is perfectly fine and <laughs> just like, huh, your friend sure is weird. And I'm like, how are you having a regular fucking conversation? <laughs> because what happens is this is with vomit all over her and now having been laughed at by her ex-boyfriend who sees the whole thing. Oh yeah, and every model has to come out and laugh at this person yeah. who has been vomited on, <laughs> as is the way in any professional mm-hmm. fashion show. If something happens, every model comes out of the back to laugh at them. In the same outfit that they've worn on five different runway walks already, because the movie only had one outfit for each of them. Yes. <laughs> so you get to watch them walk around behind the scenes and then come back out again in the same outfit. Like, <laughs> Like three times each. Uh, but then she goes outside and in the only nudity in this film, uh, Jenny McCarthy has been wearing a, a dress that's just sort of two shawls that go over her breasts. And now with vomit all over herself, one of, while she's just screaming outside about how she can't catch a break, one of her tits comes out. And Michelle's like, hey, one of your big ass titties is hanging out. You know what I'm saying? And, and uh, she's like, fine, fuck it. And gets the other one out and starts shaking them at everybody. It's like, here, yeah, there you go. Yeah, look at these. Ah! And then and, then John takes her to a diner. Yeah, John's like, "Hey, why don't you come with me? I'll we'll we'll get you cleaned up at a diner and And up until this point, John has been nothing but a cool dude who's on everybody on the good people's side, like the protagonist well, at, side. At this point, it had been so long in the movie that both Michelle and John had not physically interacted yes. with Rebecca. Uh, remember that was what I said that during the movie, I was really hoping that Rebe- that uh Rebecca would never actually interact with Michelle. Yeah. She'd just call her and have her do stuff, and we'd never actually see it her. It was just always because the fact that we had this back and forth, and they called, and then they went and did a thing and called back to let mm-hmm. them know what happened. And then there was the fashion show, and she was stuck outside. I was like, God, I hope they never actually interact. Yeah, that would be one. That'd be an interesting gag to the movie is that they keep almost meeting and never do. Yeah. These two friends that just constantly do stuff for each other, but yeah. never meet. And it would make sense, too, because. Michelle's got music. She's the only person in this movie with fucking music that follows her around. She's basically got, just got some low-rent rap beats everywhere yeah. she goes. And I'm like, I get that, because, you know, like in fucking Home Alone and shit, the Wet Bandits had a theme music that followed them around everywhere. Huh? And you never, you, you get different music when they finally interact, but that's what I felt. I was like, oh, she's her she's in her own little story. That's why she has the music. She's in a different movie. <laughs> you hear a you, more an even more racist movie. Yeah, you hear some light beatboxing, you're like, oh, oh, okay, it's Michelle time. All right. I'm but having he, Michelle time. Now. Yeah, but now John takes her to a diner, and this is the point where John's character comes undone and sucks for the rest of the movie. Yeah. Or he has to go into the bathroom and be like, Come on, just tell her you love her. You idiot. You need to tell her the way you feel. Ugh. And, and while he's inside, he's just like, let me buy you all your foods and everything. And you're a great photographer. And you deserve so much better than all these crappy guys you keep you, dating. You deserve to date someone that will, you know, treat you the way you deserve to be treated. Yeah. To, to Who will put you on a pedestal every day and worship the ground you walk on. And I'm like, you know, and she keeps going like, yeah, I do. Instead of like, ew, everything you're saying is gross. <laughs> 
But then he goes in the bathroom for a psych up conversation because at a point where she's like, yeah, you know, what do you think, John? And he's like, uh, I think I want some pie. Excuse me, I have to go to the bathroom. And then he like yells at himself. Yeah. And he comes back and then at least tries his dramatic tries speech. to be like, you should you shouldn't be looking all over the place for some guy to take, you know, the place of your ex. You should look at the guy sitting right next to you. What about the guy sitting right next to you? And both of us are like, oh, so there's going to be someone oh, on the yeah. other side of All her. All right, here comes the and gag. Who's the, who's the guy on the other side of her? Let's just get to it. Five minutes later, <laughs> we finally do that joke. And then, yeah, after he does his full fucking speech about the guy ne- sitting next to you, she goes, oh, turns, hey, you want to have sex? To some guy sitting next to her. Are you the man who's going to be the rest of my life? And he just goes, yes, I think I am. And then we follow to his house, where it turns out he has a weird sex obsession with drugging his dates and making them touch a fish he puts in his ass. That's right. That's right. That's right. Mm -hmm. Remember how mad we were at that scene in fucking uh, What Men Want, where uh, she, she meets that guy in the elevator and uh, when when they go over to his place, he's like, okay, I got to go get ready. And then it turns out he's dressed himself in a full gimp suit and attached himself to a hanging St. Andrew's cross. Yeah. And you're like, that is not first date material. That is conversation material. Huh? This is that again. The movie where, like, this guy's got a weird sex thing. Yeah. But he's like, hey, I gave you uh, ecstasy laced with acid. And uh, I'm going to put this fish in my ass, and then I want you to touch it. I got to say, the most realistic single thing that actually takes place in the entirety of this movie is Jenny McCarthy's drug acting. Is Which, very, it's all mouth stuff. Yeah. She just she just keeps doing, like, jaw stuff. Which, which is like, yeah, I've seen people on ecstasy. That's what they do. They touch, the, they're, they touch stuff, and they do weird mouth things. So I was like, hey, <laughs> at, at least, least we know Jenny McCarthy's been on ecstasy. We know she knows what ecstasy is. We know she's willing to put all kinds of weird things in her body. That's right. Uh huh. Not vaccines, but other stuff. Other stuff. There, we broke the seal. Hey, hey, there you go. Mm-hmm. Uh, let me tell you something. Yeah. Bustin? Yeah, I know. Yeah, Bustin makes you feel okay. Bustin makes me feel way better than watching this movie. <laughs> no, the, the Touch movie- Touch my bass, Rebecca! Touch my fucking bass. Okay, just wanted to get that out there. That poor guy has only that. Yeah. And I don't, I can't, this movie makes me hate everything forever, every time I mm-hmm, think about mm-hmm, it. Mm-hmm. So, of course, she. this is the point where she gets back to her room mm-hmm. and oh, is asleep. For, and like three days, yeah. Just stays there for days. And we get... Her friends come in and try and wake her up, and she's like, no, go away. John comes in and gives her Burger King and then puts the blanket over her to indicate he has tender feelings. Yeah, whereas the friends are like, oh, girl, you you smell like fish pussy. Yeah, they're like insulting where he is doting. Yeah. Luckily, she kicked off one of her blankets so that she would be able, he would be able to lovingly drape it back over her. I like to figure that if he, if she had all of her blankets on still, he'd like kick one off and then be like, oh no, allow me to do the gesture. <laughs> no. Your blanket she, came off in my hands. It would be worse because if she had all the blankets on, he'd do that like, you're sleeping and I'm going to touch your face thing. Oh, you're right. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh, ouch. No. Yeah. <laughs> Because that's the type of character this guy is. Yeah, but she wakes up three days later, and three days is long enough that now she's on her period. And that's where we, this is when we have to do the fucking period bit. God. Which is, again, I feel like a period bit is ripe for good humor. Yeah. The I see no problem with period gross-out comedy. I just, this wasn't it. 
it's so weird to me that this movie vacillates wildly between wanting to be like a more realistic like oh no breakup comedy and a just fucking cartoon Mm -hmm. because the period scene is like i have bled enough that there is a puddle of blood that I'm like doing a slip and slide down the aisle on. The the old lady from the Lifeline commercials is in this movie for a split second to do an I've fallen and I can't get up joke in period blood. Yep. Yep. So that's that's a thing that happens in this. But basically she has to go to this like she realizes she's on her period when she's in the shower. And she's calling to her two friends outside the door, like, hey, do you guys have any pads or tampons? And Michelle's just like, nah, girl. And Carrie's like, no, I don't have any. We've been out for weeks. (laughs) And we don't have money. We will not go get you any. I'm like, you three women live together, as far as I can tell. And there's there's none in the house at all? (laughs) Okay, sure. You know, of course, when you already know that you are on your period, don't have any sort of tampon or pad or anything and are going to the store to get one, mm-hmm. what you want to wear is a white skirt. Yes. Yeah, you want to wear the white skirt that you own and, like, some very open blousy top. Yes. Um, and <laughs> Or you the, or you don't want to give your $3 to your name to one of your two friends or John who would do it for free Yeah, and be like, go get me pads or tampons. I wonder, I wonder if that would be the crack in John's facade of ultimate simpness. If she was like, I need some pads. Can you go get them? And he was like, ew. You know, I got stuff to do. <laughs> no. That would make me uncomfortable. <laughs> I only want to put you on a pedestal if it's not inconvenient to me. <laughs> yeah, that makes me ooky. <laughs> but no, she... So, instead of sending one of her friends to get them, even though she's having a very, very cartoonishly heavy flow... Yep. She heads herself there, can't afford the good ones that she wants, has to buy the the super giant pack of extra large absorbent mattress sized maxi pads, which I don't feel like would be cheaper. Yeah. Even because they're the size of boats. Oh, yeah. And it's the difference between like a tiny box of tampons and a huge pack yeah. of these pads. And it's like, oh, yeah, the huge giant fuck off thing is $2. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. It's not like I'm in the market for these all that often. Uh, I I buy them on the regular, but I know exactly which ones to buy. So you don't look at any of these. And other I ones. never go in for them with like $3. Because, <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> credit cards exist. Yes. <laughs> so uh, she realizes after she's picked up this giant, and she's like, oh, I don't want these embarrassing super pads. Uh. And I'm like, <laughs> concede you have two dollars yeah like i agree i agree with you those fucking things should be free (laughs) it's a ridiculous situation that those aren't free but uh but you know now she's dripping on the floor now okay that's an emergency gotta get to the front gotta gotta pay for these oh no her ex-boyfriend is here her ex-boyfriend shows up literally everywhere she goes every single time in this movie they live in los angeles oh yeah i'm like this fucking takes place in goddamn hollywood there's a 0% chance that any of this has happened. At least with the fashion show, you went there specifically because he was there. Mm-hmm. But there are so many other scenes where just like, oh, he happens to be at some place randomly. And you're like, what? No. He's in every restaurant she goes to, every bar she goes to, and every store she goes to. The one single time he's not somewhere that she goes, it's because she's in women's jail. Yeah. 
That's it. Every other time, he's just there to to make sure that. So now she's like, "Oh, I'm terrified. I can't let my ex boyfriend see that I'm on, that I'm buying pads. That's embarrassing. That's embarrassing." So now she has to she's like just running around the yeah, grocery smel- store. She has to like as, smell gear her way around. <laughs> well, as the announcer is like, "Irv, we need cleanup on aisle two. And then she looks down. She's in aisle two, and there's a a manhole cover sized pool of blood underneath her. And as she tries to clean, she opens the container of tampons to try or pads to try and mop up the blood, which is dumb. Leave it to Irv. Yeah. What are you doing? Irv will get this it. This is Irv's problem now. Uh, but uh, and, and it, as she's trying to clean it, she accidentally sits in it. So now the back of her dress is completely covered in blood. Yeah. She gets finally, eventually gets to the front to pay and is like, look, I, I only have the half of the ones from the package because it was $1.99. Can you just ring me up? Yeah, and of course, the lady behind there is like, I can't bring it up unless you've got the package with you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she's like, we are both women. You understand what's going on here. That sounds like a you problem. Irv, can I get a price check on giant, embarrassing maxi pads? And then she just slaps her with the pads and runs away. Yes. Leading- and then this gives us... The security guard. The security guard, who they didn't have a place to fit in the Asian offensive stereotype anywhere else. No, they had so to, they had to do it here. Yeah. So a, a random security guard who you never see in focus for any length of time, but we do know that his mouth never moves. Yeah. When we watch him and he's running, his mouth never moves. But so, the, presumably because he was like, no, I won't say those lines. <laughs> no. So instead they just dubbed in over him. Hey, you stop right now. You stop. I get you. Oh, no, you know running. And I'm like, what the fuck are you? Movie? Are you fucking kidding me? Oh, my God. <laughs> You did that, and and Deuce Bigelow isn't getting even a piece of it. Normally, when I when I see that much racism, I expect Rob to show up. His <laughs> <sighs> last name I have forgotten. But Schneider, lo- Schneider, but luckily he was, he was on a show called <laughs> Rob, so it's fine. <laughs> but yeah, he chases her for a long time as ADR racist Asian dialogue is just sort of poured out of his non-moving mouth like a spigot. <sighs> This fucking movie. Eventually, she gets a date with uh, a, a magi- magician. A magician because that because Michelle get- sets her up with. Yeah, Michelle was waxing his legs, and and he is a weird fucker. And that's he's his- just that's- weird. They're they're like, yeah, he's he's a magician, which means he's a weird son of a bitch. He's, yeah, all magicians are weirdos, in- including the point where. Where Eddie K. Thomas has to come in and have a beer with him while he's waiting for Rebecca to be ready to go out on the date. And he's just like disdainful. So, magic, huh? Magic. Pussy. (laughs) Magic tricks are dumb and fake. You don't deserve my girl. I've spent $3,000 trying to impress her. I carried a printer two miles to her house. Thank you for the printer thing. Someone needed to Everyone from Something Awful will appreciate Uh that. Uh, But this... (laughs) Tom Houdini, played by Guillermo Diaz, Mm -hmm. who they were like, oh, we can probably fit a little Hispanic racism in here, right? (laughs) He doesn't have too much. Thankfully, he he does almost nothing Hispanic. No, it's mostly racist. He just is a Hispanic man. Yeah. Um, But his routine is just a bunch of weird things. First of all, he does a lot of magician material, like popping fake flowers out for her and so on. But when they finally get to the restaurant where they are attended on by a, a waiter played by... For some reason, uh, Bob's Burgers and the January 6th Insurrection's own Jay Johnston. Yep. 
Jay Johnston showing up as a waiter. And I guess he was also on Mr. Show, but I feel like his number one starring role for the future going forward is that he was in the January 6th insurrection. He was there yelling about it in the middle of everybody else. Uh, but yeah, our magician just gets weird. Like at first he seems kind of fine and maybe a little quirky, but then he's like, when on the specials, they mention that one of them is rabbit. He just goes rabbit. Like, Which at first I was like, oh, that's because he's like a magician, right? Like those magicians like rabbits and they pull them out of hats and so on. But it turns out, no, he just likes rabbit. He just likes to eat rabbit. He also convinces. But about- even if he even if it is like, oh, rabbit, I'm a magician. The way he just goes rabbit every time anyone else says rabbit as well. Yeah. It's just like a weird tick. Yes. Also, he convinces Rebecca to look under the the table and there's a dove down there let me tell you when he was like look under the table i know right i was like oh Uh, it's gonna be his dick i'm gonna look at a penis now (laughs) this is where the penis two movies in a row i gotta look at a penis come on (laughs) but no it's a dove and then she looks back and it's gone but the feathers are still there and she's like "Ooh, impressive but yeah then he does the thing where he orders for her and he orders shit because she's like look i'm starving i am dead broke if i get nothing else out of this this date at least i get a meal and he's like she'll have salad and water i'll have rabbit god (laughs) and of course the ex-boyfriend is there oh yeah of course because he's always there he's making out with some woman that oh there's a subplot where carrie is at the gym doing what she does at the gym, which is posing. She doesn't work out. She's trying to hook up with hot guys. Yeah. So she just stands around posing and shaking her ass at dudes as they pass by. I mean, like, literally, like... No, yeah. Like, presenting. Yes. Like, mandrel-style presenting. Uh Uh-huh. And uh, she hears a random couple of women come in to do some treadmill work, and one of them's like, yeah, I'm dating the ex-boyfriend. He's the top model in Los Angeles. We're going to go out to dinner tonight. Oh, we're going to go after dinner. Nowhere, because I'm going to go to his house and fuck the shit out of him. And then Carrie throws a towel at her, so she falls down and breaks bones. Yeah. And then there's no out, there's no repercussions to that. Instead, in later scenes, when you see her, she's got like a neck brace on and a broken arm and a sling. Yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> no repercussions for Carrie, who was also in those future scenes, just around. Uh-huh. No one's like, hey, you're the lady who broke my arm on a treadmill at the gym. Uh, this movie continues to be awful as the when they're driving the fucking the magician starts being a big weirdo and she's like get me the fuck out of here just let me go and they get pulled over and he's got explosives in the trunk so that's how she goes to women's prison yeah it turns out in that oh my god but First of all, she tries to get the attention of the ex-boyfriend because she wants him to see that she's out on a date with a regular person again. Uh, so she sends him a drink. And then when he looks over, the magician is doing embarrassing shit. I believe he is levitating her at that point and telling everyone in the restaurant that she weighs 125 pounds. Yeah. And then he's like, oh, let me do this. And does the whole I'm going to pull the tablecloth out from under. Oh, but and it just, just dumps all the food on her. Yeah, it just dumps everything so on it's, her. It's just another chance for the ex-boyfriend to be like, <laughs> that's my ex-girlfriend and she is an embarrassing situation. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So yeah, uh, they get pulled over by cops who immediately put guns in their faces. Yep. Like just, they pull over, sir, do you know how fast you're, oh, and this is all going to be a misunderstanding. Gun in your face. Yeah. And gun in her face. Ugh. <laughs> <sighs> And he's like, look, I have explosives in the back of the car because I'm a professional stage magician and I have an act to do on the uh, Tonight Show tomorrow. 
So that's what they're there for. You can verify. Yeah, there's it. an explosion at the end of the yeah. act, and and rather than being like, okay, well, you'll still have to come down to the station with like, get out of the fucking car, dirt bag, and then and then they are forced to strip search in front of a mean German cop woman in the same room, and the woman and. and and McCarthy keeps being like, look, I'm really uncomfortable undressing in front of this guy. I just met him. Can I please recru- request a different accommodation? And she's like, nine. You know, it's like, no, you no. can't. Everyone says that. No. And I'm like, you, what the fuck? Okay, great. Well, I mean, I guess at least you got cops right. I, yeah, it, she just wants her to strip to her. They're like, you need to both do a full strip. And I'm like, well, I, you know, Jenny McCarthy's already been naked in this once. I don't care. Let's let let's uh, let, let's but, have oh, the nude scene. But it's she doesn't. Embarrassing she, because she has to get down to her underwear and she's got a huge pad. I also like that she doesn't appear to own any like, you know, pad underwear. You know how you you, you know how women have underwear and then they have pad underwear. Like, like you, you got, got your the, period you got, underwear. You got your you got your working at home in my during my period type underwear. She doesn't have those. No. So this thing's uh, it looks like a it looks like a mattress wearing a g string. Yeah. Um, it, but it's funny because once the cop is like, ah, that's embarrassing that you've got a big pad. She's like, I, you're done. I don't really need to see. I didn't actually I, care. You didn't, you didn't need to strip or anything. It's fine. Just, anyway, you guy strip. You also, get, I'm going to give you the cavity search. You've got to be completely naked. And, and he's like, uh, I, okay, I don't want to be, but you know, whatever. And then uh, obviously he's got magician never ending ribbons, ribbons in, in, his ass. in his ass. And he's like, I was saving this trick for later. <sighs> God, we are almost at an hour, and there's still so much movie, and I hate it so much. It's not that bad, really. The next thing is that she ends up in jail with a prostitute. There's just her and a prostitute in, in Los Angeles County lock em up for the night jail, Yeah, which, which feels weird. It feels like that room should be pretty full. But again, it's one of those like, oh, a prostitute. I knew I should have just become a whore like you, like Could I said at the beginning of the movie. May I also make a small point about something that we might have passed over earlier in the film sure whatever we didn't talk about kathy griffin oh yeah that's right <sighs> she uh stumbles into a fortune teller during the scene when she is yelling oh my yelling god. oh my god over and over again so she stumbles into a fortune teller's building it's kathy griffin and kathy griffin's like sit down you're late and then she's like here's a bunch of gobbledygook about how you're gonna meet a man on a, a, a white pony and you need to chase that white pony and that'll be the true happiness you deserve and she's yeah. like i don't want a white pony i feel like i deserve a white stallion she's like it's a pony deal with the pony <laughs> deal with it i the whole thing is just like all right here's the plot of the movie you're gonna make a lot of mistakes it's gonna suck for a while mm-hmm. and then you're gonna have to choose the white pony because if you don't your life's going to continue to suck forever, and you'll be alone. Okay, anyway, there you, go. there you go. I wanted to mention that just because in the scene when she's talking to the prostitute, it's like the other source of female wisdom in the film. Because she's just like, what are you in for? And she goes, honestly, I walked in on my boyfriend cheating on me, and I just slid down a dark path. And then McCarthy's not like, oh, wow, solidarity, I get that. She's like, oh, that's gross. You're nasty. I don't want to be a hooker, but I guess I probably have to be. Oh, I know, <laughs> right? I knew I was going to have to be a hooker. <laughs> and then uh, commits herself to ignoring this this woman in the jail and instead reads a random bit of graffiti on the wall and is like, ah, a life lesson. Ah, yes. Don't rely on dirty love. Instead, find pure love. Thanks, graffiti. Mm-hmm. So dirty love is when you sleep with people for uh, being attracted to them. Pure love is when you sleep with people because they put enough kindness coins in. Yes. That's the actual thesis statement of the film. <sighs> um, but anyway, she's in jail. And then we cut to 
I think we get a two weeks later. It's a this is the two weeks later but cut. The first thing we cut to is is John Eddie K Thomas, uh, marching all of his. I guess he is a guitar collector. Like yeah, we get a brief collector. mention at one point. Uh, he offers to pawn one of his guitars yeah. to help her with her missing camera gear. Yeah, at the diner scene, he's like, "Oh, you know, I've got all these." Uh, guitars I've been collecting. And I should pawn that it. to get that. She's like, you can't pawn one of your guitars. You've been collecting since Keanu Reeves first had a band. Yeah. She's like, okay, all right. All right I guess well, that's a gag. Whatever, it, I don't may, know. Maybe that was a bigger deal in 2005. Who knows? I don't even remember. It was Dogstar? I think that's Dogstar. Hi- that's him, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, nowadays, I guess it'd probably be like, since 30 Seconds to Mars first started or something. Uh-huh. And if it had been 10 years earlier, it'd have been, it would have been Bruno or whatever the fuck uh, <laughs> Bruce Willis's crappy blues band was called. But yes, he <laughs> shows up to some pawn shop with four Five, of his guitars. A bunch of guitars. There's there's a pawn shop owner, and he is a known character actor. I've seen him in a bunch of oh, other yeah. stuff. He is turning away a woman who's got like a three-carat diamond ring. He's like, I don't want no trash. Yeah, he's like, I'll give you this much for it. And she's like, oh, but I, I slept with a guy for however many years in order to get this ring. And he's like, well, you fucked up. Yeah. You should have gotten better. Now- you may think that this is going to be a comedy sequence where John uh, tricks this guy or is tricked by this guy into getting more or less money for his guitar or finding out that one of his guitars is uh, super good or super, super bad. Important. It turns out that one of his guitars was previously owned by the pawn shop owner and he played it for his wife on their wedding day. And he's like, I will give you any amount of money for this guitar plus an additional $500 over whatever you ask. And he's like, uh, great, I'll take. $3,500. Good. Thank you. Now, please go. It's end of scene. Yeah. It's just, no, he's like, all right, uh, how about $3,000? Great. Here it is. Also, I always <laughs> I always keep my money in stacks of 3000 So here's simply one of my stacks. They're $3,000. <laughs> That's a nice round number. Yeah. And he's like, oh, you can tell that this is my guitar that I use because R was my initial and M was my wife's. And you can see it's up here. And this was the guitar I played for her. And he's like, oh, that's amazing. Well, great. And then just leaves and there's nothing. That's it. He d- We don't get a scene where he's like, wait a minute, that's not an R, that's a B. Yeah, that was the thing. Like, you kept expecting there to be a comedy bit in this sequence. It's a some, comedy some film. bit. Yeah. Why, if not, you don't need this bit. You could just have You could have just had him say, yeah, I pawned a guitar for money and I got you equipment. They literally do what they should have done in addition instead of, instead of uh, instead. Because there's a point where she runs into his house to try and find him. She sees his guitar collection, and the central, most important one, the old 66 Honer, is missing. And she goes, he did pawn his guitar. And you're like, you should have just done that. If you didn't have a joke to tell, you should have just used that scene. You already already had the right scene. Um, But yeah, there's nothing. There's no joke. And like we said, the, the easiest, most obvious joke is... Uh, John walks out of the pawn shop. The part the the pawn shop owner looks at the guitar and goes, "Ah, oh, my love." Wait, that's a B. Yeah, and then and then you cut away. Yeah, just some anything, anything at all. <laughs> this movie is so jam packed with absolute garbage shit jokes that do not land and are awful. And then they decide to not even try for this one. No, no. But we are in the home stretch now, so that's that's nice. Yeah, now they're gonna go to a club and see some forty one. Mm-hmm. And they go to a club and some forty one is playing, but no one ever says some forty one. No. <laughs> Because we were like, who the fuck is that? Because they weren't playing either Fat Lip or In Too Deep. So (laughs) they were playing some song that sounded a lot like Linkin Park music. And I was like, who are these Linkin Park wannabe motherfuckers? And I had guessed that they were Sum 41 by that point. I was like, I think that's fucking Sum 41. (laughs) And 
But, uh, you know, like 2005, some 41, when pop punk had, had dried up, so they decided to emulate Linkin Park for the remainder of their career. I guess. Perhaps. <laughs> but, but it turns out they're fucking characters in the movie. Oh, yeah. the This scene at the bar is <laughs> one of the weirdest things to me because it is where Carrie, the shitty selfish friend, goes after the uh, director who's like, oh, he's making some new film. And she basically does the, I'm going to hit on you to try and get into your movie. Mm -hmm. And then eventually some other hot lady comes over and is like, hey, who's this? And he's like, I don't know, someone who wants to blow me to be in the movie. But uh, I already cast it. She's wasting her time. It's cast. And then and then she gets like a big dramatic speech. She's like, listen here, buster. I'm sick and tired of being... You're the type of director that makes it so that women in this business always feel like they have to put out to do whatever i'm like he didn't ask you to do that you have offered every single time <laughs> that has been your choice and multiple times throughout the movie people have pointed out to you like hey did you know that you could learn to like take act like when people go take like, an acting class, an acting like, class. oh no, i don't like that i don't need to do that I then can i have I to go talk about my inner child and i don't like that yeah every time she's just like no i could just keep blowing them yeah and then she gets this out of nowhere, undeserved, fuck you, uh, women first speech and the to one, this the, director. And the thing that's amazing is the film knows full well it's unearned because we just when she finishes it, we just cut back to Michelle. There's and no resolution. We never see her again. Never see her again. She is the, out of this it's, movie it's now. It's not quite true. You see her leaving with Michelle, but she doesn't have a single other line. Oh, yeah, no. She's done in the movie. She's done. Michelle, meanwhile, is standing now, around. I do want to say, yeah, real quick. Please, please do. That scene... Uh, is based on Jenny McCarthy <sighs> trying out for Mallrats. <laughs> that director is supposed to be based on Kevin Smith because she feels Kevin Smith didn't treat her well. Mm, I feel like he could have done a better job of casting like someone that who, looked remotely like Kevin Smith. Well, also, who, that woman who sat on her lip uh, on his lap later was like a plastic surgery nightmare creature. Where it could have been, I don't know, was that Courtney Cox or something that was in Mallrats? I forget now. I don't remember. I, I, I want to say Joy Lauren Adams because she's in all of those, but I don't think that's actually the case. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but that's that's atrocious. Meanwhile, okay. There, yeah. are th there are three scenes playing out here. Uh, one of them is, once again, the ex-boyfriend just happens to be at this bar with his broken-armed girlfriend. And this time, after, for some reason, Jenny McCarthy gets up on stage with Sum 41 and doesn't sing along. Like, she doesn't know the song. But instead, the Sum 41 song just has her grabbing a mic and laughing into it. So well, while they're trying to perform... She's just up there just thrashing like, around. <laughs> yeah! Woo! Kind of stuff like that. She's just doing that. Just being annoying. Um, and then she gets down and she walks over to the ex-boyfriend is and she's like, Why? And and I don't even we don't know what the fuck she's talking about. We don't know what she means. Also, it's been at this point probably like a month since he last and she's saw her. Like, why? And you're like, why did you get on stage and act like an idiot? I don't know. I, why? Why did I? Why have I been everywhere? You? Ha I don't know. It's one of those. It's weird very things. weird. It is, I, I'll agree. It's unusual. But he's just like, I I don't know why you keep following me around. And he's like, like look, I did. I don't like. He's like, oh, the day before you, I caught you cheating. You said we would be together forever. And he's like. I was lying. I never really liked you that much. Yeah, you weren't what I needed. She is. I just don't like you. Please go away. Like, this guy's a total unrepentant asshole. There's no getting around it. He's the kind of person that if this was a good comedy romance movie, he'd get a horrible comeuppance. Well, his comeuppance is John sucker punches him from off screen. Mm -hmm. And he's like, yeah, I told you someday. Someday. You're like, 
that's a sucker punch. That just makes you look like a real piece of shit. Yeah. I guess. I but mean, no, that is that got Jenny McCarthy super hot and bothered. Yeah. And also the giant woman that is into John in this movie. Oh god, that's right. That's like I think she is literally the same giant woman from the Deuce Bigelow films. Who knows? Uh but Whatever. yeah, there's every time he goes anywhere. There's also this six foot five woman that shows up and she's like, I've chosen you make love to me. And he's like, I would not like to. And she's like, I'm holding you to my bosom. And he's like, please, please do. Please do not. Then it's just that every time. And every time McCarthy's like, oh, you seem busy, John. I'll go away. And he's like, no, wait. This is that. Also, let's not forget the scene where. um, Oh, no. They're on their way to the club. And, no. the, and the Hummer pulls up alongside them. Uh huh. We forgot it because we've already passed it. Well, I I wasn't going to talk about that because I don't give a shit. Oh, but whatever. I want to mention it briefly. It's just a scene where they're driving. Uh, sorry, John's driving because he is their he's des- the designated driver because he's their bitch. Yes. Yeah. He's just ha ha. You're our designated driver, and he always is. Yeah. Uh, because he just puts up with it. But they get pulled up alongside by a Hummer full of muscle dudes. Yep. And the muscle dudes are like, "Hey, you look like you might be gay." You might be a gay man. You look like you might be a gay man. The I'm only like, reason the three pretty ladies would be in a car with you is because you're a gay guy. And I'm like, but you're three muscly dudes in a in a bright yellow Hummer. I I feel like I feel like you've misunderstood what gay dudes look like. On <laughs> 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 a fundamental level, your headband is ten times more gay than anything Eddie K. Thomas has ever done. <laughs> <laughs> and I've seen him suck dick. <laughs> But instead, what happens is they all pretend to be attracted to John for a second. They're like, pretend to suck his dick and shit in the car. And then Rebecca gives him a big speech about the, the, ba- the bad guy in the Hummer, a big speech about how his balls are probably sw- small from t- from uh, steroids and he'll never be. And it's it's one of those speeches where it, we, I harp on this a lot. I know where, you know, at any second, what would actually happen is he just go, shut up. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, one thing you don't know because you've addled your brains with so many steroids that your balls are Shut strong up. to the yeah exactly. Shut up. <laughs> Window rolls up. <laughs> exactly, but instead he, she gets the whole speech out, scares them, and they drive away. Yeah, the what I wanted to get to the motorcycle. I know. No. What oh I wanted God. to get to... There's so much. No, what I wanted to get to is the scene in the bar where some 41 singer comes up to Carmen Electra and is like, hey, you're pretty hot. You want to go out? And she's like, hey, I refuse to engage with the plot, bitch. <laughs> fuck you. <laughs> yeah, she's like, I don't know. Can you do anything? I don't know how you in bed. You know what I'm and, saying? And God bless him. The lead singer of Sum 41 goes, you're fucking white. What are you doing? Yeah, he's like, you know you're white, right? And she's like, never say that again. <laughs> she yeah. drops the accent. Drops the music everything. Stops. She just goes, never say that in public again. <laughs> and then goes right on back living her life. That's it. And I was like, you called out the worst thing in this, and there was nothing. You at least tried to give Carrie a moment where she was like, I have an unearned speech about women or whatever. And... Fucking Michelle gets nothing. She did not participate in the movie. And the second someone calls her out on her bullshit, she's like, no. Yeah. And then that's it. Like you think, oh, they're going to hook her up with the lead singer of Sum 41 is like, you know, a quick short arc for her to be like, be like, ooh, you do look handsome. Plus you are in a band, which is an attractive quality to me. But instead she's just like, I don't know. I don't want to date you. I don't know. And she never even looks at him. And then eventually... Carrie comes up to get her and they leave and another Sum 41 guy comes up yeah. and, he, and he's just like, 
the fuck was that? <laughs> and that's like that's like the out. That is honestly just the moment in this movie where I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> I'm like, you know, I it won't be the first and it won't be the last time I'm going to say this, but I agree with some 41. <laughs> right? <laughs> If I can count on anyone to be the voice of reason, it's some 41. Anyway, uh, she goes and she gets... tries to go home with some guy on a motorcycle. It's some character actor you've seen, whatever. Yeah, he's in like Tomcats and shit. He's that dude who always looks like he's got rec- like chipmunk teeth. He's like a generically blandly handsome dude, but you can always see his top two teeth. Yeah, he's he's just in a lot of stuff. Yeah, I think it's uh, Lachlan, Lachlan Monroe. Monroe. Yeah. Uh, but then finally... She goes home, dejected, everything's been terrible, everything sucks, and there in her apartment is a bunch of camera equipment and prominently placed Fuji film. Including a Fuji gift bag that's like carbacy of Fuji on it. And again, I'm not like a real deal professional photographer. Do I own a high-end DSLR? Yes. And a bunch of uh, reflectors and lighting and shit for it? Yes. I like taking pictures. That's one of my hobbies. But... So while I may not be like a real pro, I know $300 worth of camera equipment when I see it. And this is $300 worth of fucking take some pictures of your family at the beach shit. Yeah. And taped <laughs> enough to stuff it, to go to Disneyland. Taped to it is a thing that says, this is your future. <laughs> this is your future. And I was like, damn harsh. <laughs> That's rough, buddy. <laughs> but yeah, she's like, oh my God. And then in comes John and he's like, yeah, you know. You you deserve all of this. Uh, from the first moment I saw you, I I was in love with you. You deserve to have all this stuff because you're pretty. That's right. That's oh my god. Oh my god. This is okay. This is the the, the major point to really talk about when we're talking about this review is the point where he walks in and he gives her the impassioned speech where he's like he's like those other guys weren't right for you. Listen to me. I've loved you since the moment I saw you. And I was like, if she doesn't point out that that's a red flag, then I guess I have to. That's that's the fact. That's a red flag. See, it wasn't so much for me because I was like, "Oh, that's a just a turn of phrase." Sure, you can you can say that. But as soon as he was like, "You know, you deserve this equipment and a bright future because you're so good looking. You're so beautiful. You deserve these because of your beauty." Wow, 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 wow. Ever since I've seen your smile. If he had been like, I work for you, and I've seen your work, and you're an amazing photographer, and no matter what, you should be able to continue taking pictures the way you do. It's your passion, except photography has been mentioned once at the beginning and now at the end. Mm-hmm. And we've never seen her be like, I miss my camera equipment. And there was never an establishing sequence where she like was a good photographer. Or had like a job that she had to be like, oh, now I'm not going to be able to do the whatever. Yeah. If anything, you, you're you led to think, but just by the way the movie flows, that she is a photographer in the same way that Carrie is an actor and Michelle is a waxer. <laughs> Which is to say that they both do a comedy, stupid version of that job. Probably, yeah. <laughs> so so for her to be like, oh, a bunch of camera equipment. And he's like, it's because you're beautiful and I want to be your boyfriend. Yeah, you, when you smile, it lights up the room. And you, you should s- smile more. <laughs> you haven't smiled in a while. <laughs> God. And it's then he- just every single nice guy shitty red flag. You want to hear the red? I mean, let's just keep going because it doesn't stop here. He try- He moves in for the kiss. And she's just had such a fucking day because she just tried to sleep with Lachlan Monroe and he was like chewing on her pussy. Yeah. Uh, and she she stops him in the middle of the session. She's like, look, you're it's not bubble gum. You are literally using your teeth. Go buy a mango, cut it in half and lick it until you know what you're doing. And then she leaves on him. Yes. And uh, 
so she's just like I, I have look i just the last came, five days yeah it's like look i've had a shitty month since we since i broke up with the, my boyfriend remember the bass and, guy and today i saw him and saw and had him tell me that he never loved me and then i t- tried to have random sex with a dude and it failed and I'm not feeling like I should probably get into a relationship. And he does that pathetic, sad boy, don't raise your arms to run, run out of the room move instantly. He just goes, meh, and runs out of the room. Fine. <laughs> I'm gone. And she's like, no, wait, let's talk. He's gone. And this is where we learn he lives next door. Yes. She like walks next door and is like, ah, and this is where he lives, opens the door to his apartment, sees the guitar missing and she's like oh no i should go talk to him i mean he did spend three thousand dollars on me i would say the only thing here that the only saving grace for him is that he bows out of the room like sure he should have gone like i'm sorry or you know i'm sorry i i I was being presumptuous let's try this again some other time maybe when you're feeling more up to it just know i'm here for you like that's the right thing instead of running out without saying a word right yeah but a, a nice guy like a nice guy would keep trying well here's the thing he does sort of do both because as soon as they go in for the kiss and she's like, no, I don't know. He's like, oh, but why? And then he tries to go in That's for the true, kiss yeah. again. And yeah. I was like, dude, yeah, dude. I mean, a, a real nice guy would be like, wait, you, oh, I understand completely you're not ready. Why don't we just sit here on the couch and you tell me about it? I'll get us one puffy blanket to be both under. Yeah, you know, that's a nice guy routine, but he just runs out. Uh, but anyway, she chases him down in a car and tries to get him to get in. And he gives her the nice guy speech. The fucking one you see posted on like TV tropes and shit. It is the the you keep dating assholes. Why won't you notice a nice guy? Routine. Yeah. Oh, you are just going to live your life dating shitty guy after shitty guy. And you'll never notice that the guy who's perfect for you is right there. And you just. You don't appreciate a nice guy when you see him. All you do is date people for shallow reasons and not real reasons, like because they spent money on you. Yeah. <laughs> uh. And then somehow his foot gets caught in dirt that apparently is made out of, I don't know, I think glue? It's be, I think it's supposed to be not dried asphalt. But no what, whatever, it's, it's basically glue quicksand. And so, you know, he... Runs off, leaving his shoe in the quicksand, yeah. and gets on a fucking bus. Mm-hmm. And then she like goes to get his shoe back, and oh, it's Pony Brand. It's a white pony shoe. Mm-hmm. It's her like, white pony. I wasn't gonna date you, but now that I saw this, now I will. Yeah, you were right. I only date people for shallow reasons. I want to change and date people because a fortune teller said a vague thing. <laughs> That's me. <laughs> And so she runs and fucking Spider-Man's the side of the bus gets him and gets out. She's like, oh, you were so right. Your speech about nice guys was correct. I want to be with you. For the first time ever in the history of men, this speech has worked. (gasps) The fact that this was written by Jenny McCarthy makes me just sad. Yeah, (laughs) that just means that it's worked on her before. Ugh. Did Jim Carrey do that to her? Is that who who put this shit in her head? <laughs> but they get off, they make out for a minute, fireworks start, Los Angeles fireworks. You think, oh, neat, that must be at like the stadiums or something. And then, no, it's at the end of the bridge they're yeah, on. The they bridge start- they're on, you can see the launchers at the end of it. 
they start walking towards fireworks launchers across an empty bridge that up until a second ago, this bus was going down. <laughs> Where is it going? Is it the 405 to fireworks? Yes. <laughs> what in the actual fuck is going on? You can see the launch machines. <sighs> and they're just headed to them. Great. <laughs> and then we get... We were like, okay, a movie this bad at least probably has to have some bloops, right? No, just scenes. It just has the scenes from the movie again over the credits. Yeah, they did the thing where normally you would be like, oh, you're going to play this scene. You give the name of the person who's the actor or actress that is in the scene. Yeah, and then you have, then to do you a, have bloop. The, a, a dumb bloop. But no, it's just the scene again. Yeah. You're like, oh, you're going to play your shitty movie more at me. I also like seeing the list of people who are worth getting uh, a, a uh, title in this because it's, you know, th- our, our three leads... Uh, the ex-boyfriend, uh, Eddie K. Thomas, and some forty-one, and then everyone, <laughs> everyone else is confined to the credits. <laughs> uh, of course, this was directed by her then husband, John Asher. Mm-hmm. So I have to assume Asher is the one who gave her the nice guy speech. <laughs> he was the one who would let that shit fly. He's like, put that speech in. You remember that speech hey, I remember, gave you? Remember when I I paid for three thousand dollars worth of stuff for you, and I was like, come on, babe, I'm so nice. <laughs> Remember that time you were crying over a trauma that happened and I used it to slip my dick into you? Huh? Remember when you were like real sad and then I just kept giving you glasses of wine until we fucked? You remember that? <laughs> That's because I'm nice. I'm so we should nice. put that in the movie. Oh, Christ almighty. I want the guy that fucked Stifler's mom in there too because that way I won't be threatened personally. <laughs> Jesus H. Christ. This movie was such trash top to bottom. Okay. We are finally at the end of this, and it is time for us to do our bests and worsts. Oh, this is going to be fucking easy. We can do our bests on three, and we'll be right. <laughs> All right. One, two, three. Some 41. 41. Okay, great. That was not rehearsed. Uh, I mean... More specifically, I'm going to say Sum 41 calling out blackface is my favorite thing I don't care which aspect of Sum 41 we call on to be the best part of this movie. Their song was perfectly acceptable. It was ruined by Jenny McCarthy going over it into the mic for some reason. Yeah, well. Um, But it was a perfectly fine Sum 41 song, and then they have the only funny scene as well. Yep. So, I mean, yes, obviously Sum 41 is the best. Now, for the far more interesting topic. (laughs) Now, for the wide (laughs) smorgasbord of... (laughs) Worst thing in this movie. That's one where I would never in a second or in a thousand years be like, we probably have the same thing. One, two, <laughs> three. Carmen <Racism>. Electra. <laughs> See, I'm going broad on that one. It's all the racism. Oh, no. You have to narrow it down to one thing. <laughs> I mean, you get a lot of Carmen Electra. That is true. That's it's, the problem. Yeah. Is this... But the nice thing is, unlike all the other racist shit in this movie, hers gets called out. Yes. That's... It's not like anyone's like, hey, why is that? <laughs> Why is this random security guard the most racist Asian caricature? <laughs> or to, to tell those two dudes from the the casting thing to be like, I feel like you guys are too Jewish for Jews. You guys <laughs> are really coming in strong. Yeah, you kind of look like Nazi war leaflets. I mean, you got it. We got to. I feel like you're wearing prosthetics right now and, and maybe don't. There's no point where they get called out for it. So no. I would say that that. If anything, some of the other racism is more racist. Great. But yeah, definitely, if you want to go Carmen Electra, why don't you take it and talk about it first? No, I'll just say that. We've talked about it. Okay. Everyone knows. It was awful. Yeah. She's fucking so white. 
And yet. Well, she's Carmen Electra. I think she's supposed to be like a little something. She's she is German and Irish. Oh, okay. Never mind. <laughs> she she's is... white the way. I guess she's she's uh she's <laughs> she... a little something the way that like Steven Seagal is then. Sure, why not? Yeah, in that she was like, I chose a stage name of Carmen Electra. Okay. Yeah, that's fair. All right. No, I, I never want to judge, you know, when you find out that Christina Aguilera is extremely Latin. It's, it's yeah, no, Latina. I looked her up. Yeah, okay, you looked up Carmen Electra. Great, thank yeah, you for doing I that. I did the homework. Okay, that's good. That's good. <laughs> I feel like there's so many other things I want to call out as, like, the worst thing in this I movie. I mean, you could definitely, if we want to go racism one side, nice yeah. guy on the other. A nice guy is a really big part of it. All of the random dates aren't funny. They're just off-putting. Oh, yeah. You I touch mean, my bass is like not. A, I don't know. They. I guess I thought that was going to be. Well, it sounds like ass. Yeah, yeah. And he's got a fish in his he's butt. Got a fish it's in funny. his butt. It's very. It's very funny that he drugged her against her will, and, and then, then made her do a weird sex thing. Yeah, and then she was traumatized such that she couldn't get out of bed for three days. Oh, and when she comedy does, when she does get out of bed after three days, being told that her vagina smells like fish, which you're supposed to think, oh, it's just because she hasn't showered for several days. No, it's because that's the scene that happens immediately after she she fucks fish ass man. Yeah. Also, uh, she, she has, has fish imprints on her back. I was going to say, like, fishtail bruises on her, so you know some bad shit went down. Yeah. She had a traumatic experience. And she was on, like, acid and shit. And, and how do they finally wake her up after three days in the movie, John? Why, Carmen Electra pulls a gun out and puts it in her face. Yes. <laughs> and then she's like shit see i knew that would wake you up you know what i'm saying and you're like oh god oh i wish this movie was over the worst the amount <laughs> of times the- and where we were like i wish anyone in this movie would get hit by a bus yeah because he was like i'm gonna go take a bus and then he starts walking across a street and you can only see him and the street there are no cars yeah. i'm like hit by a bus oh god hit by a bus please meet by Joe black a bus. this guy <laughs> Give, so, me, somebody give me that fi- meet Joe Black. Somebody final destination, this motherfucker. Come on. Have fucking Tony Todd just run through and Larry at him. <laughs> I'm Tony Todd. <laughs> 2005. <laughs> Head just comes off like nothing. <sighs> we are going to give this movie yeah. a rating yeah. now. Yeah, we are. Each of us are going to give it a rating from zero to five, which will give it a rating and the possibility out of 10, Jeff. It's got a plot. I got to give it a 0. 0.5. It's got, it's a movie, which as always is my only, the, the only yep. thing, the only thing I'll give a zero to is if it is literally not a movie and we don't see those very often we have in the past. So it's got to get the 0. 0.5. That's true. And I'm giving it the 0. 0.5. Yeah. It is a one out of 10 mm-hmm. dirty love. Jenny McCarthy. So awful. It, hurt me i had a headache because of watching this like i don't remember if she really ever had a career before or after this but did she have a career after this i don't know like, yes, when did bas- basketball, basketball come out? was the next year oh okay great yeah I, i'm pretty sure i think basketball was 2006 <sighs> who knows so I, I i i certainly do not but she's in i think about 15 total movies <clears throat> great yeah uh i i don't know I, I don't know what's going on with her these days but good lord this movie is atrocious yeah no it's real bad don't ever watch this never don't make the mistake we made (laughs) don't do it yeah all right well anyway john you want to tell them about our uh duology of johns what oh yeah that's right we had a john in this movie and a john right here and a john rambo coming right up Mm -hmm. if you head over 
to our Patreon at patreon.com slash systemmastery. Join us at that $5 level. You unlock all of our bonus content, everything we do, including the TV Mastery. We are still going through the <laughs> cartoons. 80, cartoons based on R-rated movies. And did they make... <laughs> A cartoon based on Rambo? Of course they did. Oh boy, did they ever. And did we watch it and watch, I'm going to say, probably of all of them, the most offensive one? I, it's not like I sought it out, because I was the one picking the episode this time, and I just typed in Rambo that cartoon into YouTube, I, and this was the only one I could find. I need you to know, this is the one I had picked out ahead of time. Okay. So good. <laughs> Well, I mean, you gotta. It's got voodoo in the name. Oh, basketball came out in '98, so that was like seven years oh, earlier. I'm, I'm thinking of something else then, not not uh, basketball. There was a movie that she was in in 2006, and I remember what it was. Yeah. Anyway, whatever. Oh, John Tucker must die. Oh, yes, he must. Yeah. Okay. Another John. Yeah, yeah. That makes it a John quadrilogy. <laughs> We're not watching John Tucker must die though. You can't make me. <laughs> I can, <laughs> and I will. All right, but I'm gonna make you watch. I don't know. John dies at the end. I've He's already like, seen it. It's fine. Uh, it's good. It's, yeah, it's, it's perfectly fine. fine. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, join us over on patreon.com slash system mastery. We are going through a bunch of stuff. You get our monthly afterthought and all the bonus content. Everything's great. We've got a lot of stuff and it of course helps keep the show running. It's helps not all this shitty. No. And honestly, we deserve to get a couple of bucks for having to watch Dirty Love. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Come on, you owe us. <laughs> Jeez. Unless you've also watched Dirty Love, in which case, you know. Solidarity. Now now you and us share a bond that can never be broken. <laughs> we few, we band of brothers. We very sad few. <laughs> uh, and of course, if you don't have the money, we understand you can always just give us a rating, a review anywhere that you listen to us. If you don't have the money, go fucking steal the pads. It's ethical. <laughs> you have my blessing. Yeah ethical stealing mm -hmm. and then maybe you'll have to go to prison though yeah yeah but that's okay because you'll meet a hooker and she'll give you life wisdom and you'll insult her and i'm javert <laughs> and you know what that means <laughs> <laughs> all right thank you so much for joining us Release we'll the butthole you. cut we'll see you in a couple weeks with more movie mastery until then you all have a good one <laughs>